0: Free will means I can choose my emotional response. I can choose what I place my attention on, my most valuable asset. Most people don't. They're conditioned, you know, from the prison of the known, the past, and all that conditioning. And so you say something, you push their button, they trigger, they react. You don't have free will. Most people don't have it. Hey, midlifers. Welcome to the Midlife
1: Makeover Show are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days no matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover job burnout or you just have the midlife blues i got you hey i'm wendy your hostess of the midlife mostest i too was hit by midlife like a freight train i too felt stuck in the same dull chapter I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life, my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Happy Monday, everyone. I hope you had a great weekend. I spent my weekend here in Glacier National Park, which was absolutely gorgeous. I hiked in the mountains. I canoed on the lake. I watched Amazing Sunsets. I drank Montana mules as opposed to Moscow mules. (laughs) I never knew such a thing existed. And they have Huckleberry Whiskey. Yummy! I did stand-up paddleboard, or more like fall-off paddleboard. (laughs) I ate dinner at a restaurant with a, listen to this, you guys, a pig running around begging for food. Seriously. Like that was a first for me. Needless to say, I lost my appetite and couldn't eat my cheeseburger with bacon. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. But it was a fun experience nonetheless. A big highlight of my time in Glacier was taking the Going to the Sun Road in An iconic, so cool, 1930s red bus with a canvas top that rolls back so you can view the sky and glaciers as you cruise up the mountains. So amazing. If you ever make it to Glacier, that is a must. A quick little shout out to the two sweet and beautiful ladies sitting in the back of the bus with us. Just like in school, you guys, I was always in the back of the bus causing trouble, (laughs) if you can imagine. If you wonderful ladies are listening, it was such a pleasure to meet you both. Maybe our paths will meet again in Montana or Arizona or come see us in Portugal. Yes, I'm saying goodbye to Glacier for now and driving the RV to Spokane, Washington today. I don't have anything too adventurous planned for my week in Spokane. Well, wait a minute. That's not true. I'm getting my hair done. (laughs) That could be quite an adventure and a long one in that, like four hours, you guys. That's the one downside about RVing full time is not having a hairstylist to touch up my grays every few weeks. Besides my hair, I'm going to spend the week doing interviews, interviewing guests for the Midlife Makeover Show, and being interviewed on other podcasts. I'm super excited about that. I will keep you guys notified of my guest appearances on the Midlife News. So if you haven't subscribed, giddy up. Just go to the themidlifenews.com to register for free and you get your free midlife makeover toolkit too. For now though, our focus is on today's guest who you will love. Jana Wilson is an emotional healing educator, meditation teacher, retreat leader, public speaker, hypnotherapist, and founder of the Emotional Healing System. For the past two decades, she has taught thousands internationally in group and private retreats. Jana trained and worked with best selling author and physician Dr. Deepak Chopra. Love him. Janna Wilson, a victim of childhood abuse and trauma, could have wound up another statistic. Yet, at the age of 12, she had a mystical experience that catapulted her on a lifelong journey of learning to listen and love herself. In her breakout prescriptive memoir, Wise Little One, which comes out in just two days. We follow Jana as she develops a connection to her inner child. Through this connection, Jana cultivates an unshakable faith in self and spirit, taking full responsibility for her soul's journey. Jana's book, Wise Little One, is a riveting tale of triumph over tragedy. The book is interlaced with the knowledge Jana learned on her path of discovery, Ultimately, she honors and listens to her wise little one and, at long last, is guided to her beloved in the most auspicious way. In the end, readers discover that we are all here in Earth School to learn how to heal from our past, extract lessons from our traumas, and to value and fall in love with ourselves. I love it. I'm excited for you to meet Jana and to hear the wonderful wisdom she has to teach all of us. Without further ado, please welcome Jana to the show. Enjoy. Jana Wilson, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Super excited to talk to you today. You and I have a lot in common, which I'll share more with you, but Uh, Let's see. You are a meditation instructor. You are heart math. Did I get that right? Facilitator. Mm -hmm. You are an emotional healing uh, systems retreat (laughs) instructor. Uh, And what I'm really excited about, you are an author of the book, Wise Little One, that comes out in, let's see, when this airs, it'll be Monday. In two more days, it comes out. And I'm sure that's just like blah for you. So tell everyone a little bit more about you and how you got to do all the things that you're doing.
0: Thank you so much for having me here, Wendy. I'm excited to be here. I so yeah, I'm an emotional healing educator. So really, what I do, my intent is to support people to raise their emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. to look at you know traditional therapy and traditional path of psychology. Is really a top down model where, you know, things are addressed at you know I'm depressed. It's not looked at root cause. It's usually a pill given. Therapeutic (laughs) process of psychotherapy is 50 minutes to an hour once a week. It's not enough time to really get down to the nitty gritty of what's going on and you know why people are behaving or sabotaging or whatever they're doing. And I got into this work because of my own childhood. And of course, sharing these stories of my childhood and things I'd overcame and healed myself with clients, they would always say, you should write a book. Your stories are amazing. And it took a lot of healing work, of course, myself, healer, heal thyself to write the book. Uh, More traumas kind of came up and the process of writing the book. Because when you're writing a memoir, you're, it's like a novel, right? It's Mm. not a self-help book. It's a, you're writing a story and description. And so of course I'm going back in time and experiencing a lot of, of, you know, the exposing myself again, once again, to deeper levels of the trauma, which is always healing. I believe if you can't, Mm. what you can't feel, you can't heal. So I definitely have tools. But this was a labor of love. And yes, I'm giving birth to it July 12th, which is my grandson's birthday. It's his seventh birthday. So I, I really love putting it, kind of aligning it with that, just because seven, our first seven years are those conditioning years. And I broke a cycle. And my daughter is an amazing, stable, conscious, emotionally intelligent woman. And she's raised this very emotionally intelligent little boy. And so, yeah, I love that you
1: said that you broke the cycle because I've talked about that before on the show that, you know, that sometimes, you know, especially as a child, you can't control, right? Like what's going on around you. You're this little child. And then, but then as you become an adult, becoming aware and going, wait a minute, I now have control and I can change that. So I'm so glad that you passed on some good things to your child and to break that cycle. And obviously it worked because then she's raising a wonderful child.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. When I, yeah when I was young at 12, I had a mystical experience and I was really awakened. My soul was, it was during a domestic violence, you know, incident. Hmm. My dad's beating my mother, you know, it was the same old, same old my whole life. I had been diagnosed with complex PTSD You know, just Mm. ongoing. It's almost like living in a war zone, you know, when you don't know what's going to happen. What's at eight? Mm. I had a shotgun put to my head by my parent. I, you know, my mother was mentally ill. My dad was an alcoholic. There was a lot of chaos. So at 12, I'm going through really an existential crisis. I have suicide ideation. Mm. I don't want to live. I, you know, I'm really struggling. And, I, it was during one of their fights, I ran outside and I just started praying and, you know, God, please save me, help me. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I know, I was pulled out of my body. I was like one with the cosmos. I was mm-hmm. told, those are not your parents and that is not your life. This is, and I felt that peace that if you mm-hmm. ever study near death experiences, they'll talk about it. A piece that passes all understanding. Like I just thought if I'm dead, I'd prefer to stay here because this feels Mm -hmm. really good. And then (laughs) boom, I was back in my body, darn it. And um, really knew from that point, there was an awakening. Of course, I went on to high school and I did typical things high school kids do. The memory never left me. And by the time I was 19, I was fully conscious and on my path. So I'm 57 now. I've been on this journey for a long time. And yeah, it's, you know, the book, my intent for the book is to share with people. If someone with adverse childhood experiences, there's a test clinicians give patients and clients to, you know, really determine how much trauma they had as a child. There's only Mm -hmm. 10 questions. I answer yes to all 10. Mm. So if you wow. can go through that kind of trauma and still thrive, yeah. I'm not a survivor. Mm-hmm. I was recently on a podcast and they asked me, do you identify with survivor or warrior? And I said, neither. I am a thriver. Yes. <laughs> I, I took, love that. I took the lemons and made some really sweet, good lemonade. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and by choice, right? Like that yeah. was something where you're like, okay, I have a choice here. And, I mean, really, when I think back, or when I think about like what you were saying, that experience that you had—that just that one experience—provided hope for you, which led you to where you are now. Like it was like, okay, wait, there is another side here. I don't have to live in this traumatic state. There is peace on the other side, and you knew, like, you're like, wait a minute, I I can get back there. I can get back to that.
0: Well, so it was when- never going back to it, you know, mm-hmm. Wendy. It was this. When you have an experience like that, you have a knowingness and that knowingness.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I talk about it. One of the chapters in the book is, is, um, you know, where I say hope is a beggar. Yeah. So I didn't have hope. Uh, mm. Hope is a clinging. It's an attachment to something. I had Mm. faith. Uh, I had faith. You had this knowingness, like you said. I had a knowingness that I was going to be okay. And that everything that had happened up until that point was temporary because when you go through that mm. much trauma, you start to determine, okay, it's bad and then it's okay and then it's good sometimes and then it's bad again and everything's temporary. Right. And this is mm. one of the, I think, hardest challenges for an adult is mm. to accept mm. the temporariness of life. We, yes, right. You're having a beautiful mm. experience. I want to. You know, get attached to it and that attachment creates suffering. So I began to become pretty detached and Mm -hmm. connected to spiritual guidance. And I was receiving information that no kids my age, I still have friends from childhood, and they tell me stories about how I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And they've read the book, and many of them did not know what was going on in my home. You know, I really hid that, right? It was shame. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they just said, you know, you were very, you were very clear. You were not going to stay in that small town. You were getting the hell out of there. (laughs) Good for you.
1: So did you train at, I know you trained with Deepak Chopra. I saw Uh that you have David G um, as one of them, which I love David G. He was like one of my faves. Um, Debbie Ford, uh, Dr. Joe uh, Dispenza, which
0: is also one of my faves. So Mm. did you
1: train at the Chopra Center?
0: Yeah, so um in okay. in nineteen ninety one, I heard Deepak speak. And it was it was pretty a life-changing event. And Dr. Brian Weiss, who wrote Many Lives, Many Masters, I trained with him as well. But um, so Deepak's been my teacher the longest. And mm-hmm. once I worked with Debbie Ford and Dark Side of the Light Chaser, she was the author of that. And I became a staff member with her. When I left the Ford Institute. I went to the Chopra Center. I got trained mm-hmm. as a meditation teacher. Now, he had been my teacher for many years, but I'd never done any formal training. And yeah. then I taught meditation at the center. I lived very close. And um, yeah. and yeah, and so David G was the our lead educator. So he and I are close and um. yeah. yeah. So he read the book and gave me a glowing review. I was very. I know, yeah, that is so awesome. Yeah, so
1: I actually trained um, in yoga at the Chopra Center too. So
0: yeah, with Claire.
1: Yes, Claire. I love Claire. She's so sweet. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I still follow her on Instagram and Facebook, and she just and she's just so, just so at peace. Like she just the way she talks. She's just so sweet. I just love her. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. In the book, like you were saying how, when you were writing the book, I'm sure it was like all those wounds were opening back up again. And what were some of your go-to tools or techniques to get you through that,
0: Mm, to get you through some of those? Yeah. So one of the things, so, you know, many years going down this path and saying, okay, I, you know, I want to heal at the deepest mm-hmm. level because I had a daughter at a young age and I want to, you know, really find, I know someone out there has the answers. And my first teacher being Deepak, Marianne Williamson, Return to Love, A Course in Miracles, yeah, you know, Metaphysics, really going down that path. I thought about becoming a minister in <laughs> like a Michael Beckwith for like the Center yeah. for Spiritual Living, or you know, because that's really up my alley because being raised in the South, religion was very. Prominent, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's that's all that you know was Bible belt, and yep. um, but you know my beliefs changed after that out of body experience. I I went to the church and started you know challenging them, and that you don't go to hell, and that I don't believe that God told me different, mm-hmm. and you know I'm got to way before Neil Donald <laughs> Walsh. I was having conversations with God, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> way before his book came out. You know, as a child. And so um, you know, reparenting inner child work came to me in the 90s. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in my 20s, I'm really voraciously doing my work and raising a child as a single mother and mm-hmm. just wanting to correct any dysfunction and cycles that my parents had, right? Mm-hmm. So I um I go to um I I hear John Bradshaw, he wrote a book called um, The Shame That Binds You and Healing. Yeah, he was big and he was on PBS a lot. So I heard him speak and he was talking about dysfunctional families and codependency. And, you know, all these concepts that I was starting to learn in 12 step groups, like adult children of alcoholics, I was going to these type of groups Mm -hmm. to understand, you know, like, how does addiction happen? I really wanted to get to the root of it. And understand. And um that work changed my life. When I started to re look at myself as Mm -hmm. there's still a little girl in me, and she's sweet and she's innocent and she's precious. And you know, she deserves my love. She's always on my always on my so cute. I tell clients to do that too. Put a picture of yourself as a child under the age of seven on your phone so you can start to make this relationship real like a like it's an actual little girl here so I Mm -hmm. talked to her I have a relationship with her back then I was just beginning the process and then later on um, you know 20 years later after that I ended up studying with a teacher and really understanding how to reparent so during Mm -hmm. writing the book your question I would Sometimes she would start to nag at me and I would sit down and listen to her and she would feel exploited. Like I was sharing Mm -hmm. a little too much of certain Uh. things that she didn't feel comfortable with. That if, Mm -hmm. if someone read it and their judgments, it would hurt and she wasn't ready for that. So I listened and I took it out, you know, so I did withhold Mm -hmm. some things as sacred, some things I didn't, some of the sexual abuse I went through things like that. I just kept it out because yeah,
1: she was, she was feeling very
0: vulnerable. Exactly. Very exposed, like raw, you know, like, Oh yes. Yeah. And I had to listen and honor her. And every time when I reparent and I listen, you know, and honor reparenting is a connection to spiritual guidance. It's becoming a loving parent to yourself it's cutting the cord to mom and dad, the people who raised you and saying, mm-hmm. I'm, right now I have a client here at my healing center and she's working on her mother was an addict and she grew up and she wasn't there for her. And now that she's an adult, her mom's clean, but she still behaves like an addict Yep. and she's abusive. And so I said, I can't tell you what kind of relationship to have with your mother. All I can say is you come first. And if right. If your inner child was abused by this woman and you continue to let her abuse you verbally or Mm -hmm. whatever, then you're abandoning yourself. You know, you to thine own self be true above all else. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? How like where you be
1: here you are abandoned and then you end up abandoning yourself. Exactly. As a result.
0: Yeah. We pick up where our parents left off. So if we have parents who You know, you don't even have to go through the trauma I went through. You know, a child is not developed, so a parent Mm -hmm. say the child says, "You know, when Uncle So and So hugs me, I don't like it. I don't want to hug him. It feels weird." And the Mm -hmm. parent says, "Oh, stop it. He's a good person. You you give him a hug." You they deny your reality. They don't Mm -hmm. see or hear you. You Mm -hmm. know, they live vicariously. Stage parents. They, mm-hmm. you know, parents who don't model good boundaries, they go through your stuff or they t- overshare about the other parent or tell you too much and really, you know, kind of parentify you, like make you an adult, mm-hmm. adult you too soon. Um, right. Parent, you know, there's different traumas of parenting and, you know, parents yeah. who can't regulate emotion and they lose their, you know, lose their temper. You're almost like
1: force. I think through, and I've been through a lot of traumatic experiences as a child and even just recently. Um, but as a child, you end up, I mean, I know for me, I ended up having to become an adult like really quick in my mind. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't get to just have nice, playful little thoughts in my mind. I had to try to survive. I had to try to figure things out. And so it was exactly. just constant. And, and it's nice, I think, uh, going like the reparenting and and talking to your inner child. And as an adult, you, again, you have that choice and you, you can become aware of that and go, you know what? I You deserve to play. You deserve to have fun. You deserve to have a little break here. <laughs> you went through a lot. So I think it's, I don't know about you, but it's like keeping that communication open to your inner child. Absolutely. And, and letting yeah. her, letting, you know, letting her or him know that you're okay. Like,
0: I, I got this. Like, I'll take care of you. Yeah. And the only yeah. way they'll listen to you if you're saying that is if mm-hmm. your behavior matches your actions, right? You have to stay in yeah. integrity because often I'll be working with someone and I'll say, how often do you tell yourself you're going to do something and then you don't do it? And they say, well, mm-hmm. often, and I say, well, what is the excuse you use? Well, it doesn't matter. So essentially, right. there's a child here. You've promised him we're going to go do this. And then mm-hmm. the time comes and you say, no, you don't matter. Right. Be quiet. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship with self that you're having where you're in. In family of origin, we have a happiness set point. Deepak, mm-hmm. my teacher, he he did a PBS special once called The Happiness Prescription. Mm -hmm. And he went into detail about, you know, the set point that we're all born in family of origin. Well, mine was low. We use an arbitrary zero to 10. Mine was like a three, probably, maybe lower. And, um, you know, so as an adult, I was very serious. And he always would say to us at the Chopra Center, seriousness is a sign of self-importance. You know, lighten Mm. up, right? Enlightenment contains light lighten yes. up you know Egyptians yep. say that you uh, you're admitted you know the afterlife if you hold your heart in one hand and a feather in the other and the heart is as light as the feather mm. right so many traditions mystical traditions Huna tradition has the same thing in Hawaii where it's you're born with a bowl of light and you're only gained admittance in the afterlife if the light bowl is still light so mm. it's like how can I lighten up I had a serious childhood and this yeah. healing work is serious. I was like, I got to be serious about this. Shit. I'm like, I got a lot of healing to do. And then I would project on these kind of airy fairy, like, oh, namaste. And everything's so happy. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, like what's wrong with them? And I had to learn in my forties how to lighten up and start having fun yeah. and be silly and be irreverent and, you know, and yeah. just yeah, have fun. I
1: I can relate to that too because I've done you know like so many, I mean a lot of the certifications I did was pretty much for myself, right? For my own healing. Right. Yeah. But as you as you learn, you teach, and as you teach, you learn, right? But um yeah, I mean there was a phase uh, in my life where it was just so serious. Yeah, like I was like, okay, we're gonna heal here, and like it was yeah. just therapy around, which is great. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I can relate to that where you finally go, okay, let's, let's loosen up here a little bit, yes, you know, absolutely. and, and it is, I think you mentioned the word earlier it was detachment and that's been or like the letting go. I don't know if you ever, the one book letting go it's called, I can't think of the name of the author, um, it's David Hawkins. So I can't remember. But anyways, that is probably one of my biggest things in life. It's the letting go. Just letting it go, Yeah. yeah surrendering. Yeah. And, and, you know, we think of like waving the white flag as a sign of weakness, but it, actually it's not, it's, it's being really, really strong and being able to just let go. And, and it's not always easy, right? Because we have these memories where you could probably in an instant recall something that has happened in your past. And all of a sudden here come the emotions all over again. So let's talk about that. How do you actually prevent all those emotions and those memories from taking
0: over you because they can so easily do that so um you know at the Chopra Center we used to say we came for Mm. Deepak but we stayed for Dr. Simon David Simon Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: he always had a saying
0: um the most detached wins the most detached wins I was always like what sometimes it's so simple it goes over your head you know yeah yeah but you know, it's it's just allowing right effortless ease in your life, not being so attached to everything. But the question you had about feelings, how do we not memories? You know, this yes. is another Deepak saying: use memory, don't allow memory to use you. And mm. Joe Dispenza says, memory without emotional charge is wisdom. Mm. Yep. So yep. we extract, we go back. As a hypnotherapist, I take people back. I'll give you an example. I had a client; she's in her early forties married kids, no Mm -hmm. real childhood trauma. Parents were still married. Wasn't sure. Why am I not happy? I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, and usually people are unhappy because they lack connection to spirit, right? They, Mm -hmm. they identify too much with the material world. They don't have enough inner refuge where they're going within. Like Zig Ziglar said, if you don't go within, you'll go without. So they're really object referring, always looking at, you know, and that's all temporary. So the only thing that's permanent is this connection within. So um, in hypnotherapy, I take her back. She's five years old. She has a memory. She's um, at a lake in Canada on vacation with her parents, and they want her to get in this lake. And they are forcing her in the lake, and she's screaming bloody murder, scared because she can't see the bottom of the lake. And she had only Mm -hmm. been in a pool. She had never been in a lake before. She's five. So in that moment of trauma for her at five, now her parents knew she was going to be fine. So this is no big deal. But they weren't listening and validating and honoring her feelings. Mm. So they usurped her power and told her she's fine and made her get in the water, carried her in, kicking and screaming. Mm. In that moment, she made a decision, which became her operating system. It's a Mm. core false belief, a limiting belief, a false belief you know yeah. and it disempowering belief and it was my feelings don't matter mm. because if they did then my parents would be listening to me then she made another decision about the world and this is how the intellect and how we form our you know psyche and the way we view everything it usually happens very young we don't remember it that's why hypnotherapy is a great way to access these memories because yes. you bypass the conscious mind, you get deeper into the subconscious if you're relaxed. About 75% of people absolutely can go through hypnosis, right? And mm-hmm. be relaxed and, and really yes. get these images. It's rare that I find somebody who can't get there. And mm-hmm. so she she saw that she made the world mean, well, if her feelings don't matter to the two people who brought her into the world, then the world isn't safe. And she can't, tra- mm-hmm. they. it knows better than her. Uh, right. So she always was looking outside for answers. And then, of course, she wouldn't advocate for herself. herself. She didn't trust yeah.
1: herself.
0: So yeah. she attracted situations and circumstances and experiences and relationships that mirrored to her her lack of trust in self, that her feelings didn't matter. And then, as soon as she saw it, she can't, you can't unsee it, right? So then right. she was like, her mind was expanded. She left here. She became somebody different, completely transformed because she went home and started to speak up for herself and people started Mm -hmm. to treat her differently. And yeah,
1: yeah, she's putting different energy out there.
0: So you have to extract the memory, the wisdom, because we're in earth school. Yeah. All memory is just giving us, there's some seed, you know, in karma, right? There's something there that we're here to learn. And of course, Mm -hmm. we're going to get tested after we have the awareness. Then now we've got to continue to have the experience before it actually becomes like for like a long time, I believe getting love from others felt better than giving it to myself. So of course my behavior was always about caretaking, people pleasing, doing for others, looking outside of myself. When I got that, I was like, oh, giving love to myself feels better than getting it from others. My number one love language is words of affirmation. So yeah, I just started <laughs> So I just started to say, You're beautiful. I'm so proud of you. I love you. I just did it every day. Giving love yep. to you feels better than getting it from others. And then one day I said it and I was like, Oh, I don't have to say that anymore. I am living it. Isn't that interesting? I've said the same thing.
1: Like you start to practice some of the and then it it almost seems uncomfortable and weird. And yes. you're like, even working and then you wake up on your day like oh my god it's working yeah you know like what is it change your thoughts and change your world like you'll change your thoughts and yes it does take a while like it's not something overnight but then all of a sudden you're like wait a minute my world changed because I did change my thoughts and that's one thing too for me it's like I didn't love myself for decades and then till you know it's like I had a complete meltdown a midlife Crisis, midlife meltdown, whatever you want to call it. And then I was like, wait a minute. I think it's time that I finally love Wendy for who she is. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, one of the best marriages was (laughs) like getting a divorce and marrying myself. And, and then I, it's interesting how you look at the world differently, though. The more that you love yourself, you just, you do again, kind of let go of things so much more easier because it's like, Oh, well, whatever. I got me. (laughs) My happiness
0: doesn't rely out there. Like I told my husband when I met him and really wise little one is the culmination of me falling in love with me. And then my beloved showed up. So all the way up until I'm 49 years old. Yeah. I had been married. I'd been in relationships, but I was never fully in love. I never felt like I had found my twin flame or my beloved and it, it ate at me like that's all I wanted, you know, in life. And of course, spirit kept saying, not on a dating app, not there, not there, not there. Trust me. You trust me in every area of your life. I met him on a plane. I wasn't supposed to be on. And I tell the story in wise little one. And so I told him, I said, listen, when I, one of the first things I did, when I met him, he was still married going through a divorce. Well, I going Mm -hmm. through divorce sounded to me like you filed, you're in the process because I'd already been through a divorce, so I knew. Yeah. Well, once I realized he hadn't even filed and she hadn't either, little Jana was like, mm. like you promise, do not hurt me again. I cannot handle the pain. It's you and me and you promised it's you and me and you were gonna put me first. So I called him back and I said, listen, I just had a realization. I thought you were further along. You're not, I am a woman of value. I said, I do not date married men. So Mm. when you're further along your journey, let me know. That was Thursday, Monday, he reached out and he said, can I talk to you? I want to share something. And I said, sure. And he said, thank you so much for, you know, saying what you said. It made me realize like I'm a man of value too. And I have integrity and I went and filed this morning. (laughs) So then I was like, wow.
1: So you, yeah, you standing up for yourself helped him to stand up for himself and for his values. Wow. What an awesome story. A lot of people out there don't know what twin flame is. I know what twin flame is because it's, it's on a different level than a soulmate. Yeah. Right. And I met my twin flame when, when I least expected it, I was like, Whoa, what is this? You know, and it totally catches you off guard, but it wasn't until after I fell in love with me. Right. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the same thing, once you fall in love with you, then you're open. You're in this space of, I had so much love, you know, it's the best in the world for me and the best Mm -hmm. in me for the world. Emerson said that. And I love that quote because we're taught that selfish, but actually it's self-responsible because I'm the only one responsible for Jana and her happiness. Right. Right. Yes. So I had, I had told Lance, I said, when we get married, I said, I need time alone. You know, I'm 49 meeting you. And, you know, I, I've got, you know, a lot of time. I like to be alone with little Jana. I had a complicated childhood and she needs time, quality time with me sometimes just kind of work out the kinks, you know, and because I can be a little complicated, right? Like, yeah so he's like, oh, I get that totally. So recently, an example of this kind of self-love is I go on a trip, I go just to Scottsdale, but I go to my favorite restaurants and shopping and I take little Jan and get her new dresses and, you know, just <laughs> on her and give her all the attention, to- go to the spa and, you know, get her pampered and just love, love, love. And then that night I get back to my hotel room and I'm getting undressed and brushing my teeth and I catch my gaze in the mirror and she shows up and it's like, I love you. You're my best friend. you go everywhere I like to go. I love hanging out with you. Like, oh, like it's this, I miss any, I don't need a girlfriend there to be chatting with me. I got me.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I shared with you, best. like
1: when I, yeah, when I started the show, I started off um, as a solo RVer and, I went, and, and so many people would ask me, you know, do you get lonely? And that, like, that was their fear. They would almost like be looking at me going, oh my God, I, I would be so lonely doing that. I'm like, there's a difference between being alone and lonely.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I never felt lonely. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I loved it. Actually, I'd sit here, you know, people that are watching on YouTube, like I'd sit here in my little dinette. I'd have my TV on, a little glass of wine. I would just have the greatest time, you know? <laughs> but it, but i learned so much about myself though too and you know i was thinking before we started um cuz i was like looking over at your bio and your website and everything and meditation which i love but what's interesting i hadn't thought about this before with meditation a lot of people don't like meditation because that's about being alone with your thoughts and that those thoughts can be scary um so how do you How do you encourage someone to, to embrace that and to sit with those thoughts and to sit with those dark moments that can sometimes, a lot of times bubble to the surface?
0: Well, so it's, it's a misconception in my opinion, um, of what meditation is. Yeah. So for me, about seven years after I became a teacher, you know, I've, I've taught, you know, close to a thousand people to meditate
1: mm-hmm. in my
0: career as a teacher. So I, I'm very active as a teacher. It's the foundation of the emotional healing system. Without it, you don't have the self-awareness to even use the repairing or shadow work or any of the other things I teach, right? Envisioning. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's really complementary to the heart math because it's about how to get yeah. coherent because we're in a coherent state, but Here's what I came about seven years into meditating every day, about an hour a day. I come out one day and I, and attending retreats where you're meditating six to eight hours a day. You know, I was, I'm very immersed in the practice. I realized, oh, the whole point of the practice is actually to be aware when you're lost in thought. That's really all you're doing. Yep. So I'm sitting there and, you know, to use, you know, Dr. uh, David G used to say this too, you know, it's like the mind. You know, it's always wanting to run 50 to 70,000 thoughts. So you're sitting there and you're really building a muscle. It's like you're going to the gym and you're learning how to become so aware. The witness, right? Witnessing awareness, Mm -hmm. lost in thought. Oh, take a deep breath, recenter, come back to present. Right now I'm doing the teacher of presence training with Eckhart. And it's challenging Mm -hmm. me because Eckhart is sometimes he'll just sit and say nothing you know, in the teacher training, and it's like, uh, yeah, talk <laughs> oh, just be present, you know, and he'll even say I... meditation's not enough, you need to learn to sit with your eyes open and be present. Yeah, right? and exactly. be in this moment, not just mm-hmm. with your eyes closed. So I always teach students that that's all you're doing, get comfortable with I'm lost in thought, and I'm back, yes. I'm lost in thought. And eventually, I say that little child, that keeps wanting to yak, yak, yak. You know how children are? 101 questions. You're on a road trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You talk to that, those thoughts like that. Hey, you don't think about the thoughts. You don't follow them. You just say, I love you. This is the most important thing. You're important to me. So I'm giving you all my time and energy right now. And eventually it starts to settle, right? Because as the body relaxes, Then you go into spaciousness, into the gap. Now you're not having any thoughts. You don't know you're there, right? Because to know you're there, you would have to be thinking. So it's really just being aware when you're lost in thought. So now I'm not meditating. I'm going throughout my day or you're talking to me and I can catch when I'm lost in thought, not present what you're saying. And then I come back to present moment. So I build a muscle throughout the day that now I have free will because most people don't have free will. Free will mm. means I can choose my emotional response. I can choose what I place my attention on, my most valuable asset. Most people don't. They're conditioned, right. you know, from the prison of the known, the past and all mm-hmm. that conditioning. And so you say something, you push their button, they trigger, they react. You don't have free will. Most people don't. Yes. have it. It takes a lot of discipline. To yes. sit with yourself and, and catch it and come back and catch it and be okay with that and realize that practice is only preparing you to move through your day and have very much, you know, witnessing awareness, very clear yes. cognition, right. In every yeah.
1: And I've always said too, like with meditation, like I, I used to think when I first started, I was like, Oh, I'm just supposed to get really, really quiet here. I'm supposed to not have any thoughts. When really, you know, it's, it it is about being aware of your thoughts and it's like this little ticker tape that's going across in your mind. And you're like, watch like, oh my gosh, wow. And for me, when I became aware of what I was thinking, that's when I was like, why am I talking to myself this way? Why am I so mean to myself? Or why am I so, why am I having these thoughts about this person or, or this event or, and that's when I really started to let go of that and to change those thoughts, to change the way I speak to myself. And I became like my own inner cheerleader or, you know, talking mm-hmm. to that inner child, you know, like it's going to be okay. We're going to, we're going to get through this. And I still today, like, i like, oh, everything will be fine. Like I, now I've trained myself to, to think and to speak more positively Towards myself, mm-hmm. you know, and it—it's—it's it's practice, right? It is. Like, it yeah. doesn't, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying before. It's not something that happens overnight. Yeah, you do have to train yourself to to think that way and and to even feel that way. I mean, emotions are like energy in motion, right? Like, and allowing that to just flow through you. I know for me, you know, it was a few years ago. I unfortunately watched my brother pass away. He had addictions and. And I can remember when he passed, I told myself, I was like, you know what, because I had experienced my ex-husband passing away at the age of 26 years old and I never grieved for him. And so when my brother passed, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give you the gift of grieving and we're going to just let this whole thing flow through you (laughs) like as bad as it could be at times, but it was the greatest gift to, to myself was to allow myself to feel whatever I needed to feel at that time. Like if I was sad, I felt sad. If it was like an hour later, I felt happy. I was okay with feeling happy, even though my brother just died. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. And kind of looking at emotions is just like this river. They're like, it'll just let it flow. Like it does. It's okay if it stays there for a little bit. It's okay if it passes quickly and just allowing it to be. Well, research shows
0: emotions last 90 seconds. So if you can Mm -hmm. learn to ride the wave of an emotion and not create a story. So the narrative and the story around the emotion I mean, it was already created. That's what created the emotion because that's right. where emotions generate, right? We start thinking a thought, those thoughts produce chemicals are either yucky or yummy, right? Mm-hmm. No. And <laughs> so, I mean. yeah. And so you you start to feel, you know, but there's two types of emotions, you know, people think, I mean, a lot of people on a spiritual path are spiritual bypassers. So the mm-hmm. f- emotion arises and they don't want to feel, oh, I'm just going to go meditate over it, you know? and and meditation isn't becoming aware of the thoughts. It's aware mm-hmm. when you're lost in them, because mm-hmm. during the practice, you're not wanting to dissect the thought you could say, I'll, right. I'll get that later. You know, like, well, yeah. we'll, we'll dissect that later. We'll unpack that thought later. But right now it's just time to be a human being, right? Not a human thinking right. or feeling, but emotions, you know, th- A lot of people don't understand if we were taught feelings. So there's two groups of feelings. And this is, I was trained in this one group is Mm -hmm. true pain in life. Someone dies, you grieve There's sorrow. Someone Mm -hmm. says or does something mean to you, it breaks your heart. You have heartbreak, heartache. People behave in ways you are completely helpless and irresponsible over other people. You are Mm -hmm. not responsible. And people, I tell clients, listen, no one will, you'll never say to somebody, you made me feel Mm -hmm. because people can't make you feel, right? You can say, when you did this, I felt, and I told myself a story, it was at your intention. You can gain clarity on what their intent is, but they can't make you feel you, you take whatever they said, and then you generate the feeling, right? Yes. And that's important to know. And then, of course, fear and present danger is a real feeling. Everything else, anxiety, depression, shame, guilt, all of that is a fabricated construct of the mind. You create a story, something happened externally, and now you personalize it, and now you're suffering, and then you want to project it out and blame other people for it. It's just the lack of self-responsibility. It's really ignorance. They don't know what they don't know because we're not taught emotional intelligence. We don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I used to have this, well, my mind had this habit of, uh, like something would happen and I would, it would just snowball. And then like an hour later I was in this, you know, I'd have anxiety or depression. And now I know, like I have this thought, I'm like, I'll ask myself, like, is that really true? Yeah. Like, do we, do we, exactly. yeah, like, do we really want to like ruin our day over this one thing? <laughs> like, like, it's just so not worth it anymore. Okay. And it's not like, it's not avoidance. It is actually just going, looking straight at it and going, all right, what is this? You know, now I ask myself like, what is underneath all this? What is mm-hmm. this? And I'll dig and I'll dig and I'll dig and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got this, you know? Um, so let me ask you this: Considering my audience is at midlife, right? Uh, so if someone's out there, like, all right, I'm in my 50s. It's too old to even uh, to even address what happened to me when I was five. Like, I might as well just deal with this and just go on the same path. What are your What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I mean, it takes discipline, right? Yeah. To really for transformation. So, you know, it's not about a chronological age. I mean, we aren't these bodies. We aren't these minds. We are consciousness, right? Pure consciousness that's operating these bodies and minds. So it's usually an issue if someone is thinking that way. It's mm-hmm. probably more lens to their soul age. You know, we always hear about old souls. We don't hear much about infants or babies or young or mature souls. Most yeah. of the planet is made up of baby and young souls. And baby Mm. souls are characterized, usually think about a baby, a toddler, they have stranger danger, they have Mm -hmm. to be told what to do, what to believe. So you could go to maybe fundamentalist religion is more baby soul. Mm. So, you know, when I started to understand that teaching that all souls, we're all at our own different perspective, right? The lens of perception, our level of consciousness is all different. And it's different based on the age of the soul. And so, you know, these type of teachings are very, um, you know, probably more esoteric. So the person who's identified more with biblical or any type of, you know, man-made, this is the right way, or they don't question, those are the types of people are like, oh, they don't even know epigenetics exists. Oh, I'm my genetic makeup. My parents had this. It runs in my family. Well, if you say it runs in your family, then it's going yeah. you know, like yeah. learn the new stuff so that. And then young souls are all about materialism and consumerism and money, 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 money. And then mature souls are more, you know, relationship oriented. Old souls are here to make a difference. They're visionaries. They're here to change the world, to make it better than they found it. It drives them. They can't Mm -hmm. live without doing that. As they advance, they're in ashrams and monasteries, and, you know, they're checked out of society. They're here to elevate the consciousness, but they're not doing the householder game like like Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely an early level old soul. I've known that from a young age. I think that's why I was woke up at such a young age. You have a purpose. Yes. Started on that purpose. You're not a victim. And, you know, then of course, soon as I started to introduce those ideas, I began to get the teachers would appear when the students ready, right? Like many lives, many masters, Dr. Brian Weiss's book, New York mm-hmm. times bestselling been on Oprah, you know, 25 plus times. He, you know, that book changed my life. I mean, it, yes. it took me from a very rigid worldview to a very expansive, do I know it's true? nobody knows what happens when we die, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) If I could believe something that would empower me, of course I would choose that more than something that would scare the hell out of me and disempower me.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I would say too, you know, for people that are listening, it's really just immerse yourself in as much teaching's as possible and there's something for not what works for one person may not work for another. Exactly. And sometimes it's just that like when I look back at all of the books and retreats and everything that I've done, it it was just one thing would lead to another and then it was like click there yep. it is. Like in, yep. in certain, certain things take a little bit harder to let go of and to release yep. from you. I shared with you, like when I started my RV journey that I went to Santa Fe uh, to 10,000 ways I did a ketamine journey. And there was this kind of like this one thing I just could not get like, let go of. And it was holding me back to where I'm, to, you know, if I had not been able to let go of that, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Mm. And just emotionally and mentally and even physically. But so... There are certain things like you, you just. I think you just have to trust the the journey and trust the path and allow just whatever. Like be open, really embrace it, and whatever comes, you're like try meditation, try tapping, try hypnotherapy, try reading books, listening to podcasts, like whatever. Just mm-hmm. just be open to it and 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 know that you can get to the other side of it. You can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I are living proof. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. And one of the things Dr. Simon would always say is eradicate trying from your vocabulary because like Yoda says, try not do. So I would say right. practice. A lot of people dabble in things just a little to know enough, but they don't yeah. practice it. It takes application. Yes. It takes consistent yeah. practice to see mm-hmm. results. And this herein lies the biggest issue with most people that I work with. It's a level of, are they committed? Because commitment, the definition is doing the thing you said you would do long after the feeling you set it in has left. Yeah. So am I committed to my personal growth and evolution? And am I willing to do whatever it takes? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and can I elicit enough discipline? That it takes to get up every morning, go to the bathroom and sit and meditate, you Mm -hmm. know, look at it as spiritual hygiene. I would never not think of brushing my teeth. I would never not think of meditating. Right. So it's like you begin to practice, 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 because you're not trying. People say, oh, I'm trying to meditate. I'm like, well, what do you mean you're trying? Are you doing it? Yeah. Okay. Then you're not (laughs) trying. Look up the word trying. It says struggle. So every ah, time you yeah. say trying, you're saying I'm struggling this and I'm struggling that. Yes. I'm, you know, no, you're doing it.
1: Yeah, like a, what is it? RPM.
0: Yeah, rise, be, rise, P,
1: meditate. meditate. That's yeah. right. David <laughs> <Gave a> G. Yeah, <laughs> I can still remember that from the Chopra Center. I love so, it. So, wise little one, um, how do we go about getting your book?
0: Would you say it comes out on July twelfth? Yes. Yeah, July Wednesday, 12th. July twelfth. Um, so it'll be on Amazon, of course, um, okay. it'll be in ebook, paperback and hard cover. Uh, I'm going into the studio next month and recording. Okay. So I'm going to record with my voice for audible. And, um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, that will be fun. Yeah. yeah. Doing the voices of my mother and father fighting and yeah, that's going to be interesting. So, but yes, I'm going to record it. Um, it's also available on my website, com if somebody wanted to autograph copy so I can you okay. know, author copy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, um, but yeah, it's exciting. We have, my husband and I just launched an online retreat. We had a lot of people who, you know, retreats are expensive, right? And it's a lot of time to get away. Even our group retreat, we keep it under $1,000 tuition. It's 850 for five days, which is great. Oh, that's not bad. That's, yeah, that's really good but add hotel. Yes. Now, now you're at $2,000, you know, add airfare, add all of that, you know, so it's around $2,500 for a group retreat. Privates are close to 10, you know, Mm -hmm. it's very expensive because it's one-on-one six to eight hours a day, a lot of work. And so we did an online retreat that we're so excited about. Yeah. Through like an online learning platform, we have professional videographers come and, We just taught as if we were teaching a retreat, took them through all the hypnotherapy processes, MP3s. So we just launched that on the website, Emotional Healing Retreats. And then we also have the next group retreat, which will be in Florida on the ocean. And we usually do Carlsbad, California and Florida, and then usually somewhere else, like maybe Hawaii or Costa Rica, somewhere Mexico, somewhere fun.
1: Come to Madeira,
0: Yeah. I would love to. Are you kidding? Uh, uh,
1: yeah. That'd be so much fun.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and what I love about your book too, it's a prescriptive memoir. Yeah. So it's your story, but at the same time, you're taking what you learn from that and they're going here and telling the reader, you can do this, do, exactly. this, do this,
0: which is great. I don't do a huge amount in the book, but there are 11 chapters that have little boxes at the end you saw, and they'll say, you know, have you considered this or think about this or, you know, just something to ponder. Because again, like you said, it's not a self-help book, which are prescriptive nonfiction. It's prescriptive memoir. You know, I don't even know if there's any memoirs out there that actually put prescriptive memoir on the cover yes. of the book. Yes, I know. I think I, I started think that. that. My husband uh, was like, are you sure you can do that? I go, I publish this book. I can do anything I, yeah, want. I the do publisher it and the author. <laughs> so I'm curious.
1: Yeah. Are, so are your parents, uh, are they still alive?
0: No. So, um, and I share that in the book. He haven't got to that point, but yeah, no, there's a really interesting story about my dad and my mom passed away July 23rd last year. So oh, almost coming up on a year she had Alzheimer's yeah. and Aww. she was um yeah so I was very happy to see her you know finally take her last breath because that's no way to yeah. live although Aww. I think the gift in it for my mom because she had so much trauma she never worked through yeah. that she didn't have memory of it anymore so she just lived in yeah. the present She was happy yep. yeah yeah that's interesting
1: yeah mm-hmm. and uh so the, yeah, the first time my brother had gone into a coma a few years ago. And when he came out of the coma, he didn't, he was like a child. He was, mm. he only remembered uh, me and my parents. And so it hit me. I was like, whoa, he doesn't even know he's an addict. Wow, You know, like, so he just was like this child again. And it was the most beautiful experience. I I so appreciated that moment. And then, and then his memory came back and he remembered yeah. who he was or, you
0: know, his really historical not. self. He remembered. Yeah.
1: Isn't that fascinating? Wow.
0: Yeah. And then what, do you have siblings? I do. I have my brother. So he's okay. uh, a big piece of the book too. You oh, know, yeah. He was my protector and he's, um, he's doing really good. He was uh, morbidly obese. And oh. once I came back into his life and really would just, you know, seeing how we eat and how we move our body and how we love yeah. ourselves in that way. And I started talking to him about his little boy, his inner yeah. child. And so he's lost like 80 pounds and Aww. is healthy and really doing well. So I'm very happy. You're for doing that so
1: many good things for everyone. Yeah. thank. you. Yeah. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, so again,
0: let's see your website
1: is com.
0: Yeah. That's the author website. Emotional healing retreats is the business. Yeah. Yes. And then, so your
1: next retreat starts, when does that one start?
0: It's going to be Labor Day week. So it's September 3rd through the 8th. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's around the corner. Yeah. And we still have space in that. So if any of the listeners want to check it out, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Ah well, thank you so much. You've been awesome. Oh, you have too, Wendy. I'm coming to see you in Portugal. Yeah, maybe we can. Maybe we'll do a retreat together. I know. Oh my God, that'd be a
1: blast. <laughs> All right, thank you, everyone. And now for the nuggets of wisdom from today's show. Number one: What you can't feel, you can't heal. Number two. Put a picture of you as a child under the age of seven on your phone so you can make the relationship real like it's an actual little girl or boy. I love this idea. Number three, reparenting is connection to spiritual guidance, becoming a loving parent to yourself, cutting the cord to mom and dad. Number four, seriousness is a sign of self-importance, lighten up. Per Deepak Chopra, enlightenment contains light. So lighten up, you guys. Number five, the whole point of a meditation practice is to be aware when you're lost in thought. Number six, most people don't have free will. Free will means you can choose your emotional response. You can choose what you place your attention on. They are conditioned from the prison of the known and the past. Meditation will help you to achieve free will in your thoughts and emotional response. Number seven, emotions last 90 seconds. So learn to ride the wave of the emotion and not create a story around that emotion. I need to work on that. (laughs) Jana, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful story and all your wonderful wisdom. Check out Jana's website at JannaWilson.com and mark your calendars for Wednesday to get a copy of her new book, Wise Little One. Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope it brought you hope, or as Jana said, a knowingness that you can heal from your tragedies and trauma in life. Join us on Thursday when we have another great guest, Amy Wilson, and another Wilson. <laughs> What's with all the Wilsons? This is awesome. Amy is a board-certified geriatric pharmacist, a certified fitness professional, and a certified nutrition coach using the Faster Way to Fat Loss platform who is disrupting the diet industry and helping her clients take their health back. Ooh, this will be a good one. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks again. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three. Share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.